Well, I'm sure everybody has a morning ritual that they absolutely love. And I'm guessing that a big ritual for most of our listeners out there is coffee. Definitely in the Stealthy Hunter household, coffee is an essential part of beginning the day. And It's the first thing I do. Before I brush my teeth, I start that pot of boiling water. (laughs) And some days, especially if we're here gardening all day or we just have a day where we don't have to leave the house, there's usually a couple of French presses of coffee going throughout the day. So it's a pretty um, important piece of Stealthy Hunter's life. On the mountain, it's a really important piece of his uh, backcountry experience. And so we feel super fortunate that we have been able to team up with Dark Timber Coffee. And uh, Tony Burleson's here right now. Yes, I am. To share the Stealthy Hunter Coffee that we are presenting. It's a special one. Yeah. Tony, tell us about the Stealthy Hunter Coffee. Yeah, the Stealthy Hunter Coffee is a blend of Central American coffees, Latin American coffees, predominantly Costa Rican uh, coffee that comes out of the Terrazzo region. It's a La Pastora. The roast itself um, is going to be super sweet. Um, It's going to have a little bit of that smoke. Um, It's going to have good acidity, really well balanced. it's a great coffee for like a French press, your Chemex AeroPress. Um, you know, really lends itself well to all brewing styles. Um, the roast profile, uh, the roast degree uh, is a little bit past medium. So you're going to get full caramelization of all the sugars in the coffee. It's going to be really sweet, but you're going to get a little bit of that roast flavor, a little bit of smoke to it. So, Well, we just tried a cup and I have to say that I'm not the, I'm not the biggest coffee drinker. Uh, Ryan is definitely the biggest coffee drinker in the house. But I do like a darker roast, and I like a heavier coffee. And I absolutely, I was drinking that coffee, this mm-hmm. blend, I was drinking it black. Yeah. And I am not a uh, black coffee drinker. <laughs> so what do you think, babe? I loved it. Um, I am a huge coffee drinker. I probably drink too much throughout mm-hmm. the day. But, uh, yeah, like you said in the, in the intro there, is. My, my ritual is first thing I do is I start a hot pot of water and, and I go to the French press. And, uh, and yeah, we just had a cup of this stuff and it is incredible. It's yeah. really, really good. Um, you know, I like coffee black. You know, I like coffee with some coconut oil in it. I like it with butter in it. I like it with almost any way. But um, this stuff is really good, just black the way it was. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's great because even though it's kind of on that, you know, it's 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 roast um, degree is before a French roast, right? So it's not super dark, but it's not a medium roast. Right. But you're not going to get that like heavy bite of a dark roast. It's still going to be super smooth and super sweet, right? But you're going to get a little of that substantial sort of roast flavor too. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was nice and rich, which is how I like it. And mm-hmm. you know, and and Hilla said this, she likes it. Um, you know. She puts a lot of coffee in the French press. <laughs> when she I does do actually, like a strong coffee. My mom it, taught me that she drinks really strong coffee, and I just well, your mom is a is a freak when it comes to coffee. She, she literally coffee goes ad. through half a bag she in the morning. I think, coffee. yeah, seems like my kind of person. I'm more conservative, and uh, I don't go that route. But mm. I like I like it to last, and I do like it, uh, you know, a real rich flavor. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't go crazy and put you know a cup of grounds in with in my French press in the morning. So yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the cool thing is, is we are now, uh, like I said, we're teaming up. And so this Stealthy Hunter coffee in, can be available to everyone who's listening now, anybody who visits our website, um, anybody who goes to the darktimberco.com. Is that right? It, it's both. Dark Timber Coffee Ooh. and Dark Timber Co. You got them so both. You can, you can do whatever okay. you want. Perfect. Um, and it's going to be available probably when you, by the time you hear this, it's available, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the, the best way to do it um, is to go to huntharvesthealth.com slash stealthy coffee. And you will be able to get the link right to Tony's website to make your order. Currently, I think you're only doing it in bags, right? It's, yeah, it's going to be in 12-ounce bags. Okay. Uh, you can get it in whole bean. You can get it ground for uh, French press. You can get it ground for your auto drip machine, your pour-overs, uh, aero press, stuff like that. And if you, you know, if you have something that's specialized, you know, uh, just reach out to us and we can grind it for that as well. Yeah, sweet. Perfect. Well, I everybody, <clears throat> go get your Stealthy Hunter dark, dark Timber Coffee. And enjoy this podcast. We are actually talking with Tony all about coffee. I think it's a I think it's a lot of great information and a lot of things I didn't know about coffee and how it's grown and where it's grown and all the little intricacies of coffee. So um, enjoy this podcast. You can find it at huntharvesthealth.com slash podcast slash dark timber. Welcome to Food Friday here on the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast, where we dish out food topics, recipes, and answer your questions related to food, food prep, and nutrition. Find our recipes and tips on our website at huntharvesthealth.com. All right, so today on the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast, we are uh, pretty fortunate to have on uh, a guy who knows a whole heck of a lot about (laughs) coffee. Uh, Tony Burleson, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Hi, Good Tony. To Hi. Good to hear. Yeah, we. Uh, this is this is going to be exciting for me because, um, you know, I I don't hide the fact that I absolutely love coffee. I love coffee when I'm not in the mountains. I love coffee when I'm in the mountains. And uh, I think uh, today's guest is going to be. It's going to be really cool to just kind of learn more about everything about coffee from, you know, the history of it. Maybe if we can get into that to uh, what we can do as hunters and what we can take into the backcountry um, to kind of help our game back there. So, um, Tony, maybe you could just give us a little background of uh, who you are, where you came from. Yeah. So, uh, I grew up here in Western Washington, uh, kind of born and raised. Um, my journey in coffee started out when I was about seven years old. All right. So, I used to help out a family deli twisting sausage, right, in the summertime, hmm. right, making Italian sausage. And we had a there's a deli there okay. with an espresso machine. And Man, you've been in it for a long time. Long time. How yeah. old are you now? I'm 34. 34. Yeah, 34. Yeah, yeah so I've been, been in it quite a long time. So, um, you know, I, I'd always look at it and I always, you know, was very, like, you know, mesmerized by it. And then one day, you know, I was fortunate enough to be allowed to make a latte on it and, and to pull espresso. And that kind of started the love of coffee for me, right? I was just knew it was, um, you know, my life's calling. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, like I, I just loved everything about it. You know, it's a product that comes from all around the world, you know, and it like culminates, makes its way to you and you drink it, you know. Right. So, um, so where, where did you say, where did you come from? Like what town did you come up here in Washington? What town did you grow up in? 
Uh, I grew up on the east side, mainly uh, in Bellevue. Oh, in Bellevue. A long time ago. You know, we grew up, you know, I was born, we lived in Maple Valley, Washington. Uh, okay. From Maple Valley, we moved over to Bellevue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you guys, so your family had a deli in Bellevue? Uh, that was in Seattle. Oh, in Seattle. Yeah, off Dearborn okay. Street. Oh, wow. Yeah, so right right there, uh, in, just on the edge of Chinatown, the International oh, wow. District. <clears throat> so so when did you start drinking coffee? About How, that age. About that age? Yeah. yeah I think my first sip of coffee is right about right about there. So hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's what's impressive. your, what's, what's your like, cultural background? Italian. Italian. Yeah. So you guys drink coffee and wine and do whatever the heck Very you much want so. from an early age. <laughs> Very much so. There's no, uh, there's no, you know, age limits on sure. that kind of stuff. Sure. You know, when you're sick as a baby, you get a little bit of whiskey in your bottle. There you go. You know, knock mm. you out of those little things, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think my first cup of coffee um, was, I was about, what, 24 years old mm-hmm. and I was uh, in Russia. Right. In a little tent camp the river was flooding we were bored out of our mind we we just couldn't get you know we couldn't get on the water because we had this massive flood mm-hmm. and uh so we're all sitting around and i had i had always just like shunned it i didn't want any coffee i didn't want to get like stuck on coffee that was right. my mindset back then so that first cup i remember i was uh it was about half sugar mm-hmm. and a little bit of coffee <laughs> right. and that's the only way i could drink it it was like <laughs> sweet or nothing so um that was that was my first cup, but yeah, I didn't start yeah. early. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't. We didn't, we got married at twenty four. We've mm. been together before that. I don't think we ever drank coffee. Nah, we my mom drank coffee. She so her meal plan every day was get up, drink a pot of coffee, maybe two the entire day, and then maybe eat dinner. Because she was a hairdresser, she had a busy mm-hmm. business, and she was on her feet all day. She didn't have time to eat. But she would. This was back in the eighties and nineties when Equal came out. Right. You know, toxic neurochemical. <laughs> and uh, as many of you would call that, uh, what is it, NutraSweet? Right. And uh, uh, she would drink like so, all this coffee and she had those little blue packets mm-hmm. equal. And that's always I thought of this disgusting coffee with the blue packets. And of course, back then I didn't realize it was a neurotoxin, but it just tasted so weird. But I think like she was only, she was addicted to both of those things. And so I just always like, oh, I just, this is gross. And so I never drank coffee. And then, um, I don't know. Yeah, I think you came back from Russia and yeah. you were drinking coffee. Yep. And, uh, you know, we started once in a while, but Ryan is the coffee person. I ever since. Right. They got you. It got me and I am not regretting it because I love it. (laughs) My life would not be nearly as good if, uh, if I didn't have coffee. I completely agree with that. Yeah. 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 Why is that? Uh, I can tell you why I think it's, I mean, just jump starts your day. Mm -hmm. makes you feel good. Um, you know, around Mm -hmm. here when you're in the hills, uh, I don't think there's anything like, you know, that morning cup of mm-hmm. coffee when you roll out of your tent yeah. or that midday when you're, when you're glassing over a basin, That's and right. pull out the jet boil and, and make up a cup. So, oh, it just makes you, it just raises your spirits and, mm-hmm. and you just feel better. It's great. It really does. And, you know, for me, kind of that same thing, it adds a little bit of clarity for me, right? So oh, like yeah. if I'm up, whatever, you know, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm still kind of you know, asleep or whatever, you know, as soon as you have that first sip, it's just like, you know, now you can game on, on with your day. Yeah. You know, game on, you yeah. know, or if I don't have it, you know, you kind of feel like you really haven't, haven't started your little day. foggy, little foggy. Yeah. You no know, clarity. it's definitely a ritual too, for me, you know, it's like getting up and making your coffee, right. You know, be able to sit there and enjoy it. You know, do you feel like it's an addiction? Not at all. 
Can you explain? No, that? I can stop at any point. Yeah, yeah, I can stop anytime I want. I just don't want to. I just don't want to. Yeah, um, you know, I'm not. You know, caffeine definitely is a stimulant, right? And, right. You know, there might be some level of an addiction there, right? I mean, but you can say that about a lot of things, right? Things that I think you if know, you're going to be addicted to anything, and if ca- if coffee is that one thing, I don't think that's so bad, right? Yeah, I think that's what I, I think coffee is mm-hmm. interesting because I'm kind of opposite of Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really like coffee now, the taste of it. Yeah. There's something now, maybe just, I'm an old lady. I'm not that young kid looking at my mom like, why do you drink that? But now I kind of get it. You know, it's like a ritual. Yeah. And now I drink coffee with my mom in the morning mm-hmm. when I'm with her. And it's like a ritual. Social experience. But I don't feel that good when I do a bunch of caffeine. Right. And so my experience of it, I can, but it also depends on my, on my stress level and how I'm feeling and like mm-hmm. if I didn't sleep at night, right? Mm-hmm. How my adrenals are functioning, whatever, all that stuff. But I, I have that thing where I like that there's like an emotional connection mm-hmm. to that, that moment, even with Ryan and I, cause we don't get a whole lot of time together. And when we have coffee together, he blends it up, you know, we make mm-hmm. our special coffee. I like that moment, but sometimes for me, a couple hours later, I'm like, why did well, I drink that? It's just because of my biochemistry is a little different. So we, for me, sometimes choose a decaf mm-hmm. because then I can enjoy that emotional response of the coffee and not get uh, that caffeine stimulant right. like high. Ryan mm-hmm. doesn't ever get that. So he, you know, like that clarity you mm-hmm. talk about, I get that clarity. And if I was going to go out and like ski or do something good, I get that. But sometimes if I'm, just sitting at work or on the computer and not doing much, mm-hmm. it's too stimulating for me. Okay. So, so that's where my question well, of the addiction explain, comes in. Right, like, right. like Hillary's a lightweight with, <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. I was going to ask that question. Yeah. She could yeah. take a, like a thimble of red wine and, <laughs> and she's like, she can't get up the stairs. Yeah. Look but who's talking. It, a lot yeah. of times, uh, me too, but not with coffee. In your shirts, like, right. are you having like stomach problems where, you know, you like get upset or something? Cause a lot of time it's going to be, you she know, gets jittery. Okay. Cause the caffeine can do that, but also the roast, right? So and different types what, of coffees will do that to you. Some that are high in acidity, right? Or even darker roasted coffees, you know, they have that sort of effect on your, on your stomach, right? Because of the yeah. carbon that's in the coffee and that kind of smoke mesquite thing that's happening, you know, can really affect your, your stomach a lot more. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I've noticed with her cause you know, I, I see like, we'll try different coffees all mm-hmm. the time. I can drink any coffee and obviously mm-hmm. there's there's some I'd prefer but with her if it's not like a special blend like every mm-hmm. once in a while we'll hit something that's it does she likes it and she'll be on it for like right. two weeks and then she like hits a wall and then she goes off a of coffee for like two <laughs> weeks we had this coffee from a friend of ours he gave it to us as a gift and mm-hmm. it was this green coffee bean yeah stuff Abe gave us mm-hmm. it's a green coffee bean mm-hmm. that he got from Haiti his friend had a company and I would blend that up and make it in the French press. That coffee did not give me jitters. Right. So that's you're talking about like just the raw green coffee, right? I don't think it was roasted. Was it roasted? It it green coffee is going to be unroasted. It might have been one roast. No, it was, it was light very roast. light. Yeah, so so light that you like, could still see the green. Yeah, the grass stage is what we call it. And that okay. coffee was so mild. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. And I did not get the jitters yeah. from that coffee. So that's that what I was talking about, yeah. that roast process. Yeah. And, you know... 
coffees that are the longer they're developed in the roast process, you know, sometimes they're going to have a little bit more of an effect on your, on your stomach. Right. Because mm-hmm. you're, you know, um, you know, so that's it. You need a light roast. Yeah. Period. And what a lot of times too, your, your light roast, they can be more acidic too. Right. So, you know, there's a lot more acidity there. Well, right. I was doing cold brew for a while. I was making cold right. brew. That's a great way to do it. Because I did, I did do some research on mm-hmm. coffee a while back because it was giving me, I have that nervous stomach, like you said, sometimes yeah. or um, acidy stuff. And yeah, we started doing the cold brew and I noticed that that wasn't happening as much. Yeah. But I feel like the cold brew has more caffeine. It in has it. a lot more caffeine in it, right? So, so no stomach, but now I'm like, ah! yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, cold brew, you know, you're either going to do a 12 hour, uh, you know, extraction, right. steep time, or you're going to do 24. Like I like to do a 24 with really controlled environment. So like in a refrigerator, like don't leave it on your counter, like put mm-hmm. it in the fridge. It's going to be a lot smoother. Um, but there's a ton more caffeine in that, right? So the more time it's, it's, let's say steeping, right? You're leaching out a lot more caffeine, right? So if you have like gravity coffee or espresso, those are very, very quick processes, right? So you're not going to, you're not going to extract all the caffeine out of the coffee by doing that. But when you're full immersion, cold brew style, you're going to get it all. Okay. Right. So if you're talking milligrams of caffeine, you're going to have double. I I heard somewhere that uh, there's like this perfect extraction percentage of the, to pull out of like certain, certain coffees, like each is, has its own like Mm -hmm. perfect, perfect amount, like 18 to 22% extraction is the perfect amount. Yeah. If you're looking at like, you know, if you got real nerdy and you're looking at coffee solubles under a microscope or something like that, or with a, with a very, you know, very high powered light kind of deal then yeah, you can really get into that. We could do a, it's called ratios two to one three to ones you know this coffee's tasting really good with a you know a three to one ratio Jeez, it's like chemistry you know? class. so you gotta like it really is like alchemy yeah, yeah alchemy for sure that's a very medical good yeah. word so you I gotta like play that. with like each different coffee every every coffee just like in the roasting process it's gonna live where it wants to live where it really it's gonna shine right so you know like for roasting process um for instance you know you have coffees that want to be roasted a little bit lighter Right, they're going to show their life. They're going to show, um, you know, they're going to be real bright, real acidic, sweet. You know, and then you have some that want to be a little bit darker into that what we call full city, mm-hmm. right? Where you're caramelizing all the sugars in there, and they get real sweet, and they really start to, you know, get real soft and nice, good mouthfeel stuff like that. So, um, well, do just they have in, coffee tasting? Like, I feel like I'm yeah, in we can we can t- right now or yeah, something. We do that. It's called cupping. Uh, okay. That's how we grade coffee. It's how I grade coffee. So um, it's a process of just putting grounds into a cup, right? And then you're going to add hot water to it. Uh, and then you're going to do what's called a break. So you're going to break that crust and you're going to inhale, you know, with your nose right when you break that crust. And that's going to sort of, you know, let loose any kind of uh, aromatics that might be undesirable, things like that in the coffee. And it's really going to be strong at that point. And then from there, you're going to get rid of the grinds and then you're going to slurp it just like wine. You're going to aerate it. Um, and you're going to look for any kind of defects or anything like mm-hmm. that in the coffees. And that's how we buy coffees, you know, we like cup them and, uh, grade them, things like that. But it's, it's very similar to a, to a wine, wine tasting. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to kind of your background. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you started drinking coffee at an early age. <laughs> yeah, where did that, uh, like, wh- how did that roll into the career that you have right now? Right. Uh, so 
you know, going to school, um, uh, just about to go to college. And, you know, I always dreamed of opening up my own coffee shop. Like always been a dream for me. And I think I was 20 years old. I saved up all my money, um, from working and I bought an espresso cart, uh, and I bought my first espresso machine and I kind of pieced it all together. Uh, and then I started, um, Burleson and company espresso down in Kent when I was 20, uh, mm-hmm. did that for a while. And then, uh, I opened up uh, Vivolo Coffee Roasters in Fremont mm-hmm. in Seattle. And then I opened Tony's on the Trail. It was also kind of, we call it Free Lard, you know, it's Fremont Ballard in between area, um, which was the Burke Gilman Trail went right in front of it. Right. So like our morning was all bicycle commuter. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then from there, um, I got picked up by uh, another company here in Seattle and I was their director of coffee and master roaster for 10 years, almost 11 years. So, so, so what, like, what do you do now? What do you do with coffee now? Obviously you've, you've done a lot in the past. Mm -hmm. You've got some of your own products. Yeah. Um, what are you doing with that? So right now, uh, I'm doing the dark timber coffee company, mm-hmm. which is a new company I uh, started. Um, it's a company that's sort of dedicated to the outdoorsman. Right. And so like, mm-hmm. that, I like to call it like the, the hook and bullet crowd, you know, it's a term probably right. before. Um, but it's something, you know, for them, you know, and it's, it's hunter owned. It's, um, it's great coffee. You know, we hand source all of our coffees, you know, from producers that we've worked with over the years and new producers every year. Um, you're a coffee nerd. Yeah. It's one way to proud of that. I'm extremely proud of that. Coffee guru, coffee nerd, coffee guru. Um, Coffee guru. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Guru sounds better. Yeah. Well, gosh, in the Seattle market, having three since the age of 20 having Mm -hmm. three coffee places and if if people don't live in seattle really i feel like the coffee scene started or like the espresso scene that we know nowadays because i grew up east of the mountains and Mm -hmm. an espresso i mean my mom drank brewed coffee there was no espresso you didn't go to a latte stand and when i moved to seattle in the early 90s and they, you know, in the nineties, there's just like these espresso stands popping everywhere. up everywhere. And then coffee shops in Seattle. And I mean, coffee, I feel is really come. This, this movement has come mm-hmm. from the Pacific Northwest, at least in the States. Um, maybe I'm just making that up. No, but. you're, you're absolutely so, correct. So it, it all started, you know, um, basically with like the wet whisker, right. Which was Seattle's best coffee before it was called Seattle's best coffee. Mm-hmm. Right. So like these sort of little tiny influential coffee companies kind of started that espresso movement, right? Hmm. You have Il Goranal, which was, uh, I probably just murdered that name, but it's uh, Howard Schultz's first company mm-hmm. um, before he bought from the owners of the Starbucks, right? So what he did is he took that that sort of espresso cafe model and then introduced it to the, the rest of the United States. Well, I remember the, okay. you know, the first coffee shop down in Pike Place. Yeah. In 93, when I moved here, I worked in Pioneer Square. Mm-hmm. I, I waited tables at a bar in Pioneer Square. Mm-hmm. And that was just a little coffee shop. Yep. And, you know, you go down there and get a euro, go get a coffee. Yep. Maybe I didn't drink coffee. So to me, it was really not that big a deal. Right. Pass on by. Now it's like you go in there, it's all tourists taking pictures of this little yeah. coffee shop it's, and it's crazy. It's funny because like, you know, they, 
they they market that shop as like the very first Starbucks store, like in its original location, which is really not true. Mm-hmm. It was never actually in the market. It was actually one block up from the market, right? Where that big one is right now. Like their big sort of oh, yeah. Starbucks store on the corner, that like anchor location. Like, right, was it on right, first? Right. Yep. Yeah, that was right there. Like that was the original one. And then they like moved it down in there. And you know, most tourists will think that that's like – where so it started all. I mean, it's very close. Goes. Yeah, very close to like the epicenter of that, right? Sure. It's just a little bit off. That sure. target. But like 20 bit. years, that was 25 years mm-hmm. ago. What Starbucks is now in just 25 years, it's how crazy. it's basically taken over the globe. You yeah. can't go anywhere yeah. and not see a Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, every country I've been in has a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I just see that, you know, that Seattle coffee scene just... Yeah. Has changed the world. It has. And it's funny because like, you know, with that third, third wave coffee, I don't know if you guys heard that term before, right? So third wave coffee is like basically becoming coffee nerds, right? And these coffee nerds have coffee shops, right? And they're like, you know, very uh, single origin coffees, you know, very quality focused, you know, getting into proper brew temperatures and proper gram weights and, you know, things like that. And it's, it's funny when you talk about that movement, you know, because then you could, when that third wave, coffee shop started that move it started and then portland would get it and they would take all the good things out of seattle and they would do that and then san francisco got it took everything good out of portland and this went down the line it was Mm. it's pretty cool to see that you know progression in coffee you know from city to city right right now i've always heard that coffee originated in ethiopia yeah it's not it's not a a like a fact, uh-huh. but it's almost, kind of where it, where yeah. it all where all the first yeah cuttings you, came from. Exactly, like East Africa. You're talking like Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, they have you know all the heirloom coffees are over there. You know your Ethiopian Jurgachevs, your Harars, your Sadamos, things like that. Right. Um, yeah. Now, is it? It's there's some crazy stories with the history of coffee, like yeah. how it made its way <laughs> to what we're drinking today. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know much of that history at all? Uh, I know some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know some of it. Um, you know, it making its way to like Turkey and you know by the Romans and things like that. Yeah. I heard. What was it? I think. Uh, you know from. From where it started there in Ethiopia, it seemed like uh, there's like a crazy story where um, I think it got, well, some some Dutch spies like took it away from the port of Yemen and, mm-hmm. and took it and planted it on this yeah. island called Java Island mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's kind of where that name came from. And actually the port that in Yemen where it got distributed was mm-hmm. like something like Mocha. Which is the name yep. of the port? Yeah. So all those co- old coffee terms, which um, you know, we kind of assume mocha came from chocolate. Yeah. When did you do all this? Those research? are those are kind of one of That's my pet cool. peeves. You know, when people are like, oh, "I love Java," you know, we're like referring to just coffee, just coffee, and you're yeah. like, "Well, yeah." Like, coffee yeah. nerd inside me is like, you know what? <laughs> like, you want to be able to like, like kind of give them a lesson, but you're like, ah, I just let it go, let it go. It's kind of like yeah. rubbed it a bit. See, mocha. I think what I heard was um, it had nothing to do with chocolate. But what it had to do with was the type of coffee that was grown there mm-hmm. had a sweetness to yeah. it. And people tried to replicate that sweetness by adding chocolate later. Mm-hmm. And that's where mocha came from. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. For sure. Crazy. Uh, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, like in like in Brazil, Brazil's the number one coffee producer in the world. That stuff was imported. Right. You know, everywhere coffee's grown pretty much is all it's all been imported it's all been imported okay. as an agricultural product uh yeah. you know like 
in in Brazil, there's a, there's a strain called geisha, which is like an heirloom coffee. Like it's not even allowed to be grown there, <laughs> right? Because you know the, the way the trade deals went and all that stuff, and the way they smuggled that coffee in, and you know, right, right, crazy. Okay. Right. Huh, no wow. So then you've done a lot of traveling mm-hmm. and testing coffees, and yeah, I've done a lot of boots on the ground work at Origin. Wow, so cool. what countries have you uh, yeah. gone around and seen? Uh, Costa Rica, Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Brazil was the last one. And I'll be going to Nicaragua here pretty soon. Who's got the best coffee? They all have coffees that are great. Yeah. Right? So, you, mm-hmm. it's really hard to say that like all the coffees that come out at, at a Costa Rica are, are the best, right? But it's really dependent on the producer. Coffee can be good anywhere. Mm. Right. If you're in that coffee belt, right. Sure. Um, you know, so far north and south of the equator, you know, where you have good, you know, good uh, climate to grow coffee. It just, it takes that producer in, in their, you know, their commitment to quality to produce a good coffee. I mean, you can just grow coffee and let it grow. Mm-hmm. Your end product's not going to be great. You know okay. what I mean? Some, it might, you know, some might, it might be a fluke and they might be good, but it really takes a lot of work to, to get good coffee. Like the perfect amount of sunlight versus the yeah. perfect amount of shade throughout the day versus yeah, there, all these there's those, var- those variables, elevation. right? And then there's like, they got to cut them back. Like, you know, every other harvest year, they got to cut these plants back and they're not going to produce the next year, but then they'll produce the following year, but they're going to be stronger and they're going to produce more and they're going to be healthier, things like that. You know, instead of just letting these plants go and they're sparse and, you know, they don't, they don't take, you know, they don't prune them very, you know, very well or even take right. care of them, you know. And is it, it, it takes about seven years for that first, like when you first plant, seven years for it to actually start producing beans? It's, it's actually, fruit? for a coffee plant to come into maturity, it takes three to five years. Three to five years. Right? You're going to get some fruit, right? You're going to get some cherries, um, which is where the coffee comes from. It comes from a cherry. Uh, it's actually a pit, not really a seed, but we won't get into that. Okay. But, uh, it... Uh, it takes about three to five years to come into like actual, like full yield. And then from there, if they're taking, you know, if they take care of the plants, um, they can yield up to 30 years, you know, hmm. and go a long time, you know. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's a big investment in terms of time for, for coffee, similar to the apples. You know, you don't plant an apple tree and then it just grows in this giant tree and you've got all these apples and it takes time and lots of energy and, you know, lots of care what? to go into them. My apples totally growing. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's look like a Charlie Brown tree the first year. It's got one oh, apple yeah. that's hanging over. Yeah. 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 The wind has broken off half the branches, <laughs> at least here where we live. Yeah. I, so so what is it too about – so you're talking about like how people are growing coffee mm-hmm. and then you're going and you're testing all these different mm-hmm. growers. Uh, you know, what are you looking for like for your coffee or for mm-hmm. a good coffee? What qualities are you looking for in the coffee, in the production, mm-hmm. in, I don't know, like, you know, is it organic? Is it not organic? Like, how do yeah. these things fit into coffee? Um, you know, the majority of what we look for when we're trying to find coffees is, is like, first and foremost, is those growers, right? We got to go and, you know, look at their, look at their farms and, and, you know, their estates and making sure that everything's taken care of. They're taking care of these plants, you know, their, their workers aren't. You know, just they're not being slave drivers, 
you know, okay. one of the big things that we look at, you know, um, from a social aspect. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then we start looking at the wet mills and the dry mills, you know, like where's their coffee going after it comes off the trees, you know, and then we'll go and look at those places and inspect those places, you know, and, and to see how they're doing it there. And then, you know, if those kind of pass the test, right, then we'll start cupping those coffees. So we'll start grading them and we start looking at uh, how uniform they are, how many defects are in the coffee, right? So you're looking at broken down. Damage. What would a defect like? What is a defect in coffee? So there's mo- there's a bunch of different defects, um, but the biggest one you're going to see uh, is what's called broca damage, right? Broca is a boring beetle, right? Okay. So it's an insect. It's, it's an insect, and it and it bores into burrows into the cherry, and then it makes its way into the pit into the bean, um, and then they damage the bean, so they'll go in and they'll come back out. And what that does is that opens that cherry up and that bean up to air, right? And what's in air? You have spores, you know, and then you'll get mold that follows. You know, it's very microscopic. You, you can hardly see it with your eyes. Right. Um, so is this where, you know, the whole bulletproof movement that's happened and he's always talked about mycotoxins? Because now, I mean, I have patients coming into me and asking me about coffees and Mold. If it has mold on it or mycotoxins on it. And yeah. so is this kind of what you're talking about too? Is yeah. this one way of entry of these mycotoxins? Yeah. I mean, you're opening up the inside of that thing for, you know, while it's moist, before it's cured, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, green beans have to be cured before they can be bagged. And I'm curious about the whole process. Like off the off the vine mm-hmm. how it makes its way to here yeah so I, we can go through that like from a seed to cup uh, perspective yeah yeah sure. so first uh it starts off on the trees right uh f- you know the trees um they bloom in the winter time right so like the like the rainy season so they were called water forced flowering you probably heard that before forced flower by water so once the flowers uh, once the trees start to flower you get these little white flowers on them uh and coffee plants are self-pollinators right <laughs> so they kind of pollinate themselves um once that happens the flowers flowers die off right? and then you'll start to see these little green cherries start to emerge right it's little buds and then from there, they'll start to mature uh, into like a red color, right? And there's there's different ones, like a yellow bourbon is going to be more of a yellow color, orangey yellow, uh, but like a red bourbon or something is going to be that deep red or Mundanovo or something. Uh, and then from there, they're harvested. Uh, now, there's two different types of harvesting. There's a mechanical harvest and there's a selective harvest. Most of our coffees that we buy are selectively harvested, meaning that people will go in there, pickers will go in there, and they'll find each individual ripe cherry, right? So, they're, they're all at their peak ripeness. They're all kind of uniform. Uh, mechanical harvest, they're going to go in there and say, hey, this, this block here uh, on this farm is 85% ripe. Right, and they're going to send these tr- sort of tractors through it. Uh, I have to call them coffee car washes, right? So they they run the row of coffee right through the machine, and they have these rotating bristles, right? These big long rotating bristles, and they just kind of agitate that coffee right off the right off the plant, and it drops down into a catch, and then it goes into a grain loader into a trailer that kind of follows next to it, <laughs> and then from there it goes to the mill. Um, it can either be at what's called a, a full natural coffee, meaning that they're just going to put the coffee cherries out onto the patio to dry in the sun. Uh, and they're just kind of like roll them over. So they, they dry evenly. Okay. And they're trying to hit that 13% moisture reading, right. In, in an Actron. And what that does is that's the cure point, right? So you've, you've, you've reduced that moisture down just enough to get it to where it's not going to mold. 
right? It's not going to rot, right? It's like rice. Rice is cured, right? Mm. You know, you can store it for a very long time. It's mm-hmm. very similar to coffee. Um, if it's what's called um, like a pulp natural, what they're going to do is they're going to take it to a machine before it goes to the patio and they're going to squeeze this, the beans out of the cherry. And then from there, then they're going to put it back on the patio and they're going to dry just the, just the seeds, just the, just the beans of the coffee. Uh, there's also called wash process where you're going to, you're going to pulp, uh, the coffee and then you're going to wash it. Right. So they're going to wash all that juice off the bean itself. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, I think I've seen a little bit of that. So how do, how do they, how do they actually do the pulping? Do they smash it? Yeah. It's like smash it. We call them hammers. Right. Okay. So the coffee, um, is going to get sorted first. Right. So it goes into water. Right. And any coffee cherry that floats is gone. That's bad. Just right. Because the hollowness of maybe one of those. That and a lot of times when you have, um, you know, something that's decomposing, it creates gases. Okay. Right. And if you have something that's sealed, right, there's no air in there, typically it's not going to be, you know, producing any gases. So it's going to sink. Right. And if it has gas inside, it's going to float. And we call those floaters. Right. And it's a really cool way for them to separate it because they put the coffee in water and it goes down a, a trough. And the floaters just kind of move along the bottom and the, you know, or skim those the right top. Yeah. There. And they yeah. put a board on top that makes at an easy. angle and it just directs them into another, another slot, you know, another chute. And those go somewhere. And then the ones on the very bottom, you know, those keep going and those hmm. are, those are sent to be pulped. So once they come out of the water, then they're going to go into machine. Uh, it's, uh, like a sort of like a big, if you can think of like a big, uh, rolling pin, mm-hmm. right. But it's got these little like hammer things on it, right. You can set the tolerances to the size of this cherries, right. So if you're noticing that when you're, when you're pulping and there's still a lot of cherry left on it, you need to go a little farther down to get that out. Right. If the beans are a little bit bigger, you wouldn't need to. So gotcha. that's how they pulp the coffee. And then from there, it's going to be washed, you know, all that stuff's going to be washed off and then it's going to move to the patio again. Uh, to be dried. Um, you know, so that's what's called patio drying when they do it on the patio. Um, there's a couple different styles of coffee drying. There's, uh, what's called African raised beds, right? And so they're going to raise that stuff off. So then you're going to have, you know, a really good airflow through the coffee, right? There's like raise it up on a screen type just, thing. Yeah. Like if you took like just a screen and you put it on blocks or whatever, and you put it on top, right? And a mm-hmm. lot of people will do that with, you know, vegetables or mm-hmm. something. It's the same thing. It's my, my most preferred way to dry coffee, to okay. cure coffee, right? Cause you're, it's very even, you're getting airflow from the bottom and you get just like a dehydrator top. basically, but basically the same thing. And yeah. just, your son is, you know, obviously your dehydrator. Sure. So, um, so you have that and then you have mechanical harvesting or mechanical drying, right? And you'll see a lot of that in Brazil. Right. Brazil's number one coffee producer in the world. They got to produce a lot of coffee. Is that because of uh, humidity in the air there? Or why no, they, 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 uh, they need tonnage, right? So that okay. they're producing a lot of coffee. And, you know, if you were to patio dry a lot of coffee, you would need huge patios, right? So it's a way for them to up their production. Gotcha. Right. So they can, they can take coffees that are like, they're, they're on the patio just for a few days and then they'll put them in the dryers, right? And they'll just speed that process along so they can just, just start oh, yeah. moving a lot of coffee. So some of the bigger estates, some of the bigger co-ops you see, um, you know, they're going to implement some of those, you know, the mechanical harvesting, which is just some guy or mechanical drying, which is some guy just putting logs into a, you know, a, a, a you know, wood burning stove basically. And then that goes, you know, that heat goes through a tube in the center of the dryer and you know, dries the coffee out. Mm-hmm. So, and then from there uh, it goes to get milled. 
right? So on a coffee um, bean, there's an outer skin called the husk, right? And then that's going to be removed. Uh, and then from there, the silver skin, if it's polished, will be removed. And then it goes on to be sorted and graded. And then from there, it goes into bags. Um, wow. That's a so, lot for your bag of coffee. Yeah. And that's just at origin. And then we can talk about what happens. And <laughs> you were talking here. about that husk. I think we were talking about that before. Yeah. That's actually, that's that, I'm that, talking about the, the, uh, the chaff is what we were talking about chaff, before. This right. is the husk. This is more woody. He's right? got this hot new, uh, thing that I can add to my garden. It's going to yeah. help my garden along a little better than chaff. Yeah. Chaff. It's called chaff. I'm add some chaff to Good my garden. Name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens, uh, on the, on the coffee bean in the roasting process, it will, the bean swells, right? It gets okay. bigger as the, as you start reducing moisture and as, you know, as you progress in the roasting process. And when it does that, it like sheds this, this fine layer of skin that you don't even know is there. Right. And then that gets sucked up into the exhaust and then it makes its way into a, what we call a chaff cyclone. Right. As the air spins, the, you know, the chaff's heavier and it's going to collect at the very bottom of this thing. Um, and then from there, you can, you know, do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Add it to the soil. And it's so very when, easy as an organic. So thing. when you, the, the first part you were talking about, though, you're not removing the chaff yet. You're just, they're just, they've got yeah. the holes, they're put it in a bag mm-hmm. and then. You're taking it, and then when you roast it, or you do what you do to it, that pulls the chaff. Yeah, off. once Is the coffee, right? once the okay. bean swells, oh, gotcha. right, it like sheds it. Gotcha. Right, and so the bean would have to swell to be able to to sort of get rid of that. Okay, that chaff skin. And then how does the how does the actual roasting process go? I've never been to a roaster, yeah. so, so I've never actually seen it. Yeah, there's two different types of coffee roasters out there. There's one called the fluid bed roaster. So if you guys have all probably had a popcorn popper before, right? Oh yeah, it's, it's a giant popcorn popper. Oh yeah, okay. it's just like this constant fluid bed of hot air, right? And it keeps these coffee beans elevated in a in a like in a cylinder basically and like row cylinder and they're just kind of moving around and you know and uh you know you're, you're roasting the coffee that way with just hot air um the style that i like to do that we like to do is a traditional drum roaster right so these are all cast iron roasters you know they they distribute heat evenly throughout the roaster You're using a lot of ambient heat to help roast the coffee and what they do is they have um a rotating drum Right with these sort of rifled blades in it, and what that what that does is it agitates the coffee as the as the drum spins. So instead of just having coffee just kind of sliding around the bottom, right where you're just going to burn one side of the coffee, you put these blades in there where it, it like turns them up, right? Tumbles so the, it. Yeah, it tumbles it like a dryer in your house. Right, basically the same thing. Exactly, right. Yeah. So it keeps it up and off the surface of the metal and keeps it from burning. And then what you're doing to roast coffee, roasting coffee is just the application of heat and air, right? Um, with the drum spinning. And what you're doing is you're trying to roast coffee on what's called a bell curve, right? Or the S curve, right? So you have what we call a charge temp. So you have coffee in the top of your hopper, right? Green coffee. And then you bring your temperature, your temperature, your roaster up to a certain point, and then you're going to drop your coffee into the roaster. And then from there, that temperature is going to drop. So it's going to make this kind of mark. People probably can't see that. Um, <laughs> you're going to drop down. Drop down yeah. like a roller coaster. Yeah, you're going to go down go. and then it's going to what we call a rebound. So we're trying to hit a certain mark on that rebound temperature, which, you know, okay. in terms of time, right? Cause time this way, temperature this way. Um, and then we're trying to hit a certain point and bring it back up, right? And then we're trying to bring it back up on a bell curve, right? And we're doing that with the application of heat and air, hmm. right? So 
you know, mm-hmm. roasting coffee is not like baking cookies where you're like, you can put it in the oven at 350 degrees for 15 minutes. You know, you, you can't do that. We get what's called baked coffee, right? If you were to do that, if you were to keep it at one temperature, right? You keep that line linear, right? And the, and the timeline is linear, right? You're just, you're just going to get this baked lifeless. It has no development. It's, sure. it's just, it's, it's very, um, I'm sure you guys probably had it at some, some point, you know, in your coffee drinking careers, but uh, I've had some bad coffee. Yeah. Maybe that's what it, is yeah. that what like Folgers is? <laughs> Folgers, we can get into what Folgers is, but it might be another segment. But right? I want to know what Folgers is because I've always wondered when my grandparents, when I was a kid, my grandparents would drink Folgers yeah. coffee. Or U-Ban. Or, and, yeah, yeah, U-Ban's. We've had one. U-Ban because like Costco sold is so cheap. I was right. like, holy cow, I can get like this huge <laughs> yeah, thing. And, yeah. But it definitely... Tastes very different. Yeah, because they're, they're like a different a really coffee. Good coffee. Is that a. Now there's Arabica. Oh, yeah, there's Arabica and Robusta. Robusta. Yeah, Robusta is the Arabica's cousin, right? So, um, you know, to be uh, a specialty coffee roaster, mm-hmm. right, um, you have to buy specialty coffees. And the only coffee that can be certified specialty grade, meaning that it's going to cup in the 80s and above, is Arabica coffee. Right, so that's like the high grade coffee. It's high grown. It's grown way up in the mountains. Okay, um, it's denser. It's more flavorful. It's more complex. Whereas robusta is more of a commodity coffee. Right, it's going to be grown, you know, at a thousand meters and down to sea level. Right. So would you just classify that like a, a cheaper, mm-hmm. cheaper brand of coffee? Yeah, it's but, you know but that's why higher in caffeine. Caffeine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just doesn't for taste sure. As good. It's, it's bigger bean. Right. So like, you know, we call it screen size. It's how you grade the size of a bean. You kind of put them through, you know, a set of screens and wherever it picks the most up, you know, it's going to be your screen size. And, you know, Robusta typically is going to be a much larger bean. And when you have a larger bean, you're going to have more caffeine, right? Mm -hmm. The bean's bigger, right? right? Right. More caffeine in it. Mm -hmm. So that's why typically we'll have more caffeine. Um, and when you, when you go to Costco and you see that big giant five gallon bucket of U-Ban for three ninety nine, yeah. that's Robusta because Robusta is cheap. Gotcha. There's no way you could buy Arabica specialty grade coffee and sell it, you know, in a 2.5 gallon or 2.5 pound tub for like six ninety nine. So everything you see out there in cans like that red Folgers can, those are, that's oh, all Robusta. Robusta. Or if they're trying to say it is Arabica, it's what's called commodity Arabica. You know, you go to McDonald's and you know, this is like, like plaster all over the place, like a hundred percent Arabica coffee. It's, it, I mean, yeah, it's Arabica, but it's, it's very low grade Arabica. I mean, okay. it's like the bottom of the bottom, like full of defects, like one step above instant coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. Coffee that goes to become instant. Okay. Um, but it's, it is not good. I mean, it's cupping in the 70, low 70s. I mean, it's, you know, if you were just on the cupping table, you, you try, you would probably just slide it away from you. So is there a big variant of, uh, like, caffeine content in different brands of coffee like different yeah so it all depends on the roast level too like so the darker you take coffee the less caffeine you have coffee you would you'll burn it out right so you'll reduce it just like the moisture content see i always thought it was the other way no No, so you can't make more caffeine right so like a green coffee bean is going to have a hundred percent caffeine in there okay gotcha right in the roasting process you're going to start chipping away at that right but the one thing you're going to notice as it goes darker, it's going to affect your stomach more, 
right? And that's that roast process thing that I was talking about. Right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have less caffeine in it, but it's darker. There's more carbon, right, from the smoke and just that that whole kind of dark roast thing. That's going to affect your stomach more. Okay. Yeah, I've wondered about that with the acid versus the actual caffeine mm-hmm. reaction. Yeah, and if people are reacting more not to the caffeine they're reacting to the acid Mm -hmm. because that acid-based balance is so important in our body and you know if you're drinking a lot of coffee Mm -hmm. uh, and people are eating you know on the standard american diet they're eating tons of acidic foods also sugar and meat exactly uh, and so maybe it's the acid that's creating that that almost caffeine stimulant light stimulant like excess yeah the acid is throwing that balance off Mm -hmm. and so for me maybe that's why i like that lighter roasted coffee maybe it had more caffeine but it didn't have the acid and i didn't notice that like you know jagged edge thing yeah that's a common misconception with coffee you know it's Mm -hmm. you know they're like oh it's dark it's gonna you know it's it's too strong it's too much caffeine for me Mm -hmm. my stomach was just going crazy and it's it's not the caffeine you know 90 percent of the time it's not the caffeine yeah and it's probably the other stuff that gets put into it Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean mean, speaking of like you know the starbucks probably mm -hmm. get do we get sued for saying that name on here i don't know do we have to pay a royalty (laughs) (laughs) i think the starbucks people are gonna jump out like grab me for a royalty here um they already look twice at me yeah they already look twice at you yeah they probably do that with everybody Mm -hmm. huh i just wonder you know all the stuff that's going in there so again talking about acid all the dairy Mm -hmm. all the sugar all the syrups all the the chocolate which is acidic as well depending Mm -hmm. on you know using poor chocolate Uh, so again you're adding a ton of acidic stuff Mm -hmm. to an already somewhat acidic beverage sure and that's just gonna like make everything kind of go inflammation crazy yeah i agree with you yeah it's some you know you talk about some of the stuff they put in there you know like the flavorings and stuff i mean if you were to look at one of those bottles you know like if they're not using something like monin right monin's like a natural you know natural cane sugar things like Mm -hmm. that that they put in there but if you look at like a tarani or something flavoring i mean you look at that label and you're just like holy smokes you know like what is actually in that stuff you know like like strawberry flavoring is not supposed to be red you know what i mean like it's it's not supposed to like so like clearly that you know that's some some coloring in there you know oh yeah looks there's gonna be what red you know 40 and all kinds of yeah mango is this crazy orangey yellow color (laughs) right Right. Yeah, it's all about how it looks, right? And yeah, I mean, the people eat with their eyes first, right? So like, oh, that's red. I want that. Yeah. It must taste like strawberry, right? You know. And I think, I think as Americans, I've noticed doing a little bit of traveling to other countries where, like Italy, <clears throat> France, Turkey. Mm-hmm. The first time you drink like a real Turkish coffee, Turkish coffee, yeah. Cool. You're like, Just don't drink all the way to the bottom. Yeah, it's, yeah you get some great. It is really intense, <laughs> yeah. and um, uh, the Turkish people love their sugar as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they wife. eat a ton. Of, they drink a ton of chai, a ton of coffee, and they just dose the sugar into mm-hmm. it. It's not very good, but there's, um, but they're drinking tiny little cup, right? And yeah, it's so, one ounce, one and a half ounce cups. Yeah, it's it's like. But they're probably drinking Tennessee, so I don't yeah. know if it's a – but that whole thing about, you know, maybe people that are drinking black coffee, you know, I don't I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking of that medicinal effect of the coffee itself. And if you're adding a bunch of stuff to yeah. it, are you negating the medicinal – and we haven't even talked about medicinal effects of coffee because I don't right. really know what they are. 
there's some research out now that's been coming out for a while, mm-hmm. basically how co- coffee has been shown to decrease Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. um, get your chance of getting Alzheimer's and so neurodegenerative diseases and, uh, and so what is that, you know, but is that drinking black coffee mm-hmm. or is that drinking like a latte with a bunch of sugar and stuff? Yeah. I mean, not? definitely. I think, you know, if there is some benefits to it, right. Which there, there is, um, drinking black coffee is, you know, yeah, you're going to get those benefits. If you're adding, adding sugar is never a good thing. Right. It's like soda, it's you know, like soda water. I love drinking soda water. Right, just I'm straight. With you. I yeah. love. It's like if I want to drink something sparkly, like sparkling that's what water. I. That's what I run to. But then you get into that Coca Cola, which is like sure. sugars and you know all these caramel colorings and things like that. Whereas soda water, as itself, is not, it's not bad for you, right? Right. Yeah, I love that. You know, I drink a ton of that Pellegrino. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I get that stuff all the time, yeah. and you it's know, like so. It's so. It's like sweet. Yeah. You know, it's like sweeter flavored. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I'll add like a little bit of uh, like hydrate recovery from Wilderness Athlete mm-hmm. to it. You got to drink it down a little bit because if you add it when it's full, it's it's, <laughs> it's going up volcano. and over the top. But yeah. Um, yeah well, I just had a patient drinks. today tell me that, you know, she does a coffee enema every week. and That is a thing. She doesn't drink coffee. Well, no, she does drink coffee. Yeah, she does. But some patients, like, they don't drink it, but they give themselves Adamo with it. And, <laughs> and it's actually an amazing liver cleanser. I yeah. mean, it's that, 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 it's that caffeine or it's probably the alkaloids within the, mm-hmm. within the coffee that's just making your liver just psh. And I think yeah. that is probably part of that addiction quality where people yeah. drink that and they're getting those. And it does a lot of things like your liver dumps and... People always comment, oh, I go to the bathroom. If I don't have my coffee, I don't go to the bathroom. And I always wonder, like, you know, how much of this is the stimulant effect mm-hmm. and how much of it is that kind of like, I think of it like squeezing a towel, all the mm-hmm. water out. <laughs> it does that, like, because the liver cells are like that. Mm-hmm. And when they're getting clean like that, they whoosh, they squeeze and then, you know, you dump a bunch of stuff out. Right. And you, you're supposed to get rid of it. Right. And uh, so... I'm probably the healthiest person on the planet. <laughs> Man, you are like, your liver is probably just like I know. primo. Exactly. Primo. Yeah. Primo I love liver. my coffee, but I'm about not, two gallons a day. I'm not know? taking it in like uh, like those ladies are. Yeah. I think I'll just drink it. Take it in the top side, right? Yeah, top side. I know, yeah. like, but you get you get the effects like, bam, when you do right. an enema with it, you're like, woo, I love coffee. <laughs> yeah. Like all the surface area of your colon is getting, yeah. is getting soaked with caffeine. Bam. So green coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all over the place. Yeah. What's it about? So you're, you're probably looking at green coffee extract. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's another way, you know, people's stomachs are really not having roasted coffee. It's another way for people to like sort of get the effects of coffee. Uh, in terms of flavor, it's about the least flavorful thing that you could ever drink in your life. Okay. Right. Just high in caffeine. You have, like I said, you have a hundred percent of the caffeine, right? right? You have the most that coffee is ever going to have at that point. Right. So what they're doing is you're just kind of, they're just kind of steeping it out of there like tea so know? they're basically just washing it and there's no roast whatsoever nothing and well they might what do you know, what's called like white coffee right you probably heard that before like white coffee that's just taken into the grass stage right and that's more of like a it's kind of a gimmicky thing right so when coffee's unroasted right you're not losing any weight right and when you're selling things by the pound or whatever okay you make more money sure Right. Not so sure. white coffee doesn't taste good. It tastes grassy, herby, 
Like this doesn't have a great flavor, but you're not losing the 16% water moisture loss that you would with the, like a coffee that's taken to its final stage in roasting. Gotcha. Right. So you're, you're, you're making more money with it, right? There's more caffeine with it. Yeah. There's an upside to it, you know, on a consumer level, but (laughs) people are, people were taking green coffee extract. I mean, like Dr. Oz talked about it on his show and it was Mm -hmm. like, because uh, I used to work in supplement sales and anything that like Dr. Oz had on his show, you could actually watch yeah. the, the, the sales, the like it, yeah. vitamin shop or whatever, just shoot straight up mm-hmm. and, and within, you know, the, the, the quarter that it was in. So there are people, he did green coffee, I think. And it was just a pill or yeah. something people were taking these pills yeah. and it was just selling off the shelves they couldn't keep yeah. it long enough and the, so that i'm guessing is that's just a stimulant quality it's a it's an appetite suppressant yeah and so was coffee and, itself you know what i mean right. you're not getting anything out of green coffee that you wouldn't really get out of roasted coffee hmm. right it's all there yeah right but you're people just, love like pills and they yeah, think it's making think them it's healthier like a magic pill. i need a pill and then I'll, it'll make me lose weight right if yeah. i drink a cup of coffee that's not making me lose weight probably because there's cream and sugar in there right right but six pounds of it's sugar. like yeah take these pills and you won't have an appetite um, right i think it's it's something new right mm-hmm. it's like coffee it's fat around right? you know dr oz is probably paid by a company to maybe talk about stuff like well, that. well you know what's interesting is he was so for his contract with Oprah, which is this is a stupid backstory, but he Oprah was like his boss for years because she mm-hmm. backed his show, right? And his contract with Oprah, as long as she owned his show, basically was he he could not promote any supplement company. So for years, you never actually saw him promote a mm-hmm. brand. He could only talk about the green coffee bean. Right. He never talked about a brand. He never sold it. So companies went out. And it was like, they were just like raspberry ketones or one, mm-hmm. green coffee bean. So he never promoted a brand, but that but, meant all the millions of supplement companies out there, they could go like, holy cow, Dr. Oz is talking about green bean, uh, mm-hmm. green beans. <laughs> yes. He's talking about those too. Talking you know, those are good beans. for you, but um, <laughs> green coffee beans. Mm-hmm. And so as a supplement company, you could just go and start selling green yeah. coffee beans and watch your market right. share just go huge. Right. And, um, it was like anything he said, but he was not allowed under his contract to actually sell mm-hmm. under a brand name. And I don't know if that's true anymore. And he's yeah. gotten in some trouble with the FDA because they don't want people, you know, talking about supplements because, you know, we need to have everybody on meditations. Yeah. But um, it's really interesting to see that fad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like just drink a cup of coffee, like right. a good cup of coffee. Yeah. Maybe he just had like, you know, some stake in the commodities market. You know? He He's makes a like, lot I, of money on How do I get these hedge funder guys in there and like oh, this yeah. speculation and make some money on, you know, sure. my coffee holdings? Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, we're not saying that he he just couldn't say it on his show. We're not saying on the backside he wasn't invested <laughs> right, right. in so a like, bunch of companies. Yeah, who's the biggest green coffee producer, you know, extract guy out there? You know, we'll talk about it on the show because this guy's going to get the biggest piece of the pie, right? Right. So, right. Uh, it's such a crazy, mm-hmm. crazy um, industry. All right. Okay, Mr. Guru, mm-hmm. how do you make your coffee? What is what does Tony do when you get up in the morning? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really loaded question. Yeah, I think. well, I gotta yeah. know because I do it a certain way, and I might want to change my way. Are you yeah. like cupping every way. morning or something? If you go into my if you go into my kitchen at home, yeah. it looks like a lab, right? Perfect. So if you look at my counter, like there is more coffee brewing apparatuses on my counter than any kind of like k- kitchen stuff. 
Right. So you got like glass tubes. And- yeah, I have siphon pots with you know halogen burners on the bottom. You know, wow. so like a siphon. I'm not sure if you know what that is. So it's like a bulb on the bottom. It's like round bulb filled with water. Okay, and you have a heat source on the bottom, which is a halogen lamp, right? Uh, and you turn this halogen lamp on full blast, and what it does is it pressurizes, it boils and pressurizes that water bulb on the bottom, and it shoves all the water up a tube into the top part, which is like a French press, hmm. right? So you're going to add your grounds. Once the water has left the bottom bulb up to the top bulb, you're going to add your grounds there and you're going to keep the burner on, right? And you're going to stir it like a French press, let it bloom, get it rid of, get, let it get rid of all those gases that are, you know, from the roasting process. Uh, and then once, you know, if you like a, like a three minute extraction, a 2.75, you know, minute extraction, um, once it hits that point, then you can turn the, the, the heat source off, Mm-hmm. And then that bottom bulb is going to depressurize, and then that coffee is going to fall back through a filter into the bottom. Oh man, see that's what I need in my kitchen. Yeah. We need a bigger need kitchen. And then uh, I mean, you know, all there's your espresso. Gadgets. You know, make espresso in the morning or Chemex. Chemex is usually my go-to. Right, Chemex is it's uh, essentially if you heard of a pour-over system, right? So you're pouring water over grounds, sure. right? Yeah. Very, very even flow rate you know mm-hmm. very spiraling outward with the with the water um it's basically the same thing right gravity coffee is what i call it i call it gravity coffee but you have a decanter kind of attached to the bottom right mm-hmm. so it's it's uh you know how to explain it. it's like a cone on top with a with a like a vase on the bottom right it's like a, mm. like a very flared out i've vase. actually seen those okay. things and wondered what yeah i've got they one are. in my truck if you guys want to see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm I've, gonna check it out i've yeah. wondered what, those, sure. what but, you do with those yeah but they're great so you so you do the pour over coffee style right you take your filter out and then you just have this decanter it's like an all-in-one deal and you just take it i go sit on the couch put it on the coffee table and, <laughs> and watch the news in the morning and drink my coffee okay um yeah, so what? Like I've always used, we've used French press. French press long. are great. You know, they have that sediment, right? You get that oil still in the coffee. It hasn't yeah. gone through a paper filter. Yep. Um, it's a great way to make coffee. It's very strong. What mm-hmm. I always recommend people to do is once they're done brewing, right? They're French press. They're you know the way I do it is I put the grounds in there, right? Bring the coffee or the water up to boil, uh, perfect temperature. What is know. that perfect temperature? <laughs> you know, um, so it's it's about one eighty five. Right. Okay. And you typically you're going to take your water to 200 degrees. And then as you're pouring it into the French press, um, there's some heat loss in that. Right? Immediate. Probably. Immediate. Right. Okay. So that heat's going to get transferred to the glass, going to get transferred to the coffee. It's going to bring that water temperature down. You want that water temperature once that happens to be about 185. Right. So you're going to fill it up halfway with your coffee, you know, put your coffee in the ground, in the bottom and fill it up halfway, stir it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're going to let it bloom. Right, and it's going to release all those gases. So you guys make a French press. You're very familiar with a with a, a bloom, mm-hmm. right? So the coffee expands, right? Everything gets yeah. bigger. So you stir that up to kind of bring that back down. Let it sit for about a minute and a half. Fill it all the way back up, and then plunge it. And then from there, pour it into something else. Okay, right? It's called decanting. You want to decant that because what's happening is you're just leaving those grounds in water at the bottom, right? right. So if you don't f- drink it fast enough, that cup profile is going to change. Right. So, so you'll start, you'll start 
you know, extracting some of those things you really don't want to extract out of the copy. Some of those. Like, so there's a time frame that you want to let it sit. Yeah, it, definitely. Three minutes is usually really good. Yeah. yeah three, three minutes. minutes. Three minutes. You got to set the timer on these things. <laughs> I'm laughing at that because in my life, like I'll make breakfast and then an hour later I'll be like, oh my God, I didn't even eat my breakfast. Yeah. The, Coffee sits the, in the microwave uh, three different times. The uh, French press has been known to be filled <laughs> and then sit there for... 20, yeah. Hey, I'm not knocking it. 20 you know, minutes. Cred, I and, yeah. You know, like, oh, we didn't press it. Hmm? You know, it's right. pretty strong coffee. Right. But <laughs> So is is like a French press versus going through the paper filter, does that change any of the acidity uh, effects or not? No, it's not going to change any of the acidity. What, what it'll, it'll have uh, an effect on is the body. Right, the body it kind of takes the, the foam away from it when you use a yeah. paper filter, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um take some of that away right so what what it's doing is it's grabbing those coffee oils it's not letting a ton of them out right right uh not a bad thing right it's definitely not a bad thing but uh with a french press you're just getting all the oil like if you looked at your like the very surface of the you know the coffee Mm -hmm. in your french press you're going to see a sheen on oh yeah yeah like an oil oil yeah yeah that oil with the filter it's just going to hang back a little bit um now there's a a filter style out there called the waffle style which lets some of that out which is kind of cool interesting yeah Yeah, i've I've always wondered because you know we've kind of uh, from over the years, we just used to use a drip system. and then We got everything. We went to a Keurig at some point. Yeah. Now, I like the Keurig for whatever reason. It's just, it's never strong enough and it just wasn't that great. Um, and uh, then we went to the French press and that's just, it just seems to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, you get what you want out of it. Out of the French yeah. press, you can get it real strong. It's super easy. Super you know, easy. like, you oil know, up some water. There's yeah. no filters, right? You're like, yeah. dang, I'm out. Easy of to clean. Yeah. And I get all those grinds, that grind at the end right. goes into my garden. So that's it's, perfect. It's, it's a good deal. Yeah. So cool. Well, uh, freeze dried coffee. Yeah. Let's talk about freeze dried coffee. Because I, like I see a lot of backpackers and hunters. Mm-hmm. They're going into the hills and uh, a lot of folks are packing these little packets because mm-hmm. they're lightweight. Right. Um, Super easy. There's tea bag style mm-hmm. I've seen from Folgers. Mm-hmm. But you sent me. A care package, not that mm-hmm. long ago. And you had your own little backcountry system. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, it was awesome. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. Oh, man. The tea bags that I've always used, which I never liked, was that Folgers brand. You know, it yeah. was just a lightweight little tea bag type yeah. thing. And like six grams of coffee in it. Yeah. It's like Folgers it tea. Was, it's too too little. Mm-hmm. Um, the taste is bad. It's just It's just undesirable mm-hmm. and i know a lot of guys yeah. use like the starbucks what is that Vios. Vios. Mm-hmm. i just don't do starbucks i got my issues with starbucks for <laughs> a variety of reasons we won't go into so mm. I've really i'm hmm. yeah. not gonna go into that yeah sometimes we can't even get coffee because there's only starbucks <laughs> <laughs> but um i like how you stick to that right like you know break down and you're like that's ah, the only place one like, thing God, you like, will learn about ryan once he makes a decision, there's no going back. <laughs> Folks out there, well, you well, want to cross him, there's no going back. Well, and Starbucks did it. So, yeah, I'm you a know. concealed carrier, so apparently I'm not welcome there. And once they said that, I was, oh, I was done yeah, with Starbucks. Good. So, um, But anyway, let's talk about your system. Yeah. Um, 
Dark Timber. Dark Timber Coffee. Yeah, you came out with this uh, perfect backcountry system that I've been using, and I love it. I mean, the thing about it is it tastes good, Mm -hmm. so you don't have to suffer through a backcountry cup of coffee (laughs) that tastes like garbage, which, um, you know, I've had to do over the years using those other brands, but... um, yeah, how did how did you start this? And let's let's talk about that. Yeah, so the ascent packs, like you know, when I'm in the backcountry, you know, typically I'm you know I bring all the stuff with me, and you mm-hmm. know, and like AeroPress things like that. You know, um, AeroPress without the plunger, right? Because you really don't need the plunger; you can just let it gravity feed into your cup. Sure, right. But when you when you when you have these things, it's like you know, then you got to have a cup. Yeah. Right. And you gotta, you know, you gotta bring that extra piece of gear into the backcountry. And it's like, you know, there had to be a better way. And, you know, I knew that there's, you know, obviously those Folger packets, right. Or just, you know, they're, they're like roasted once a year. They're lousy. They're terrible. I mean, they really are. You can't put bad in and expect to get good out. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a good in, good out. Well, thing. then you feel like you have to add <laughs> like, like that, a packet true. of hot chocolate in there. Yeah. You gotta like flavor. add things to it. Right. <laughs> when like, if you start out like with these, you know, the ascent packs, it's great coffee to begin with. Right? Yeah. It's just, you're going to get a good cup of coffee. Yeah. I found, you know, I've always had to add things like, um, a lot years ago, I quit adding any of that chocolate. Um, yeah. powder to it. It's just straight sugar and mm-hmm. that didn't do me any good. So I started going with stevia. Yep. Um, some folks love stevia. Some folks hate stevia. Mm-hmm. Some folks don't like the taste, but I found these two ounce bottles and it was mm-hmm. like a stevia with a little vanilla in it. Mm-hmm. And I've used those um, for the last couple of years and I love them because yeah. they're lightweight. You add like three drops, four drops to your coffee mm-hmm. in the morning and it makes it better because yeah. like I said, Folgers yeah. was bad. I had to do something to actually make it palatable. Right. So, um, yeah, the coffee that you've got in these bags, you know, this is a soaker style tea bag. Yeah, style. it's full immersion. It's the same as a French press, right? Yeah. So, like, what do you do with a French press or even an Aero press? You're like putting water in and you're adding, you're putting coffee grounds in, and then you're adding water, mm-hmm. right? And it's steeping, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's extracting, right? This is doing the same thing. You're just, you can just take it out. Yeah. Right. It's, you're getting a cup profile with the sediment very similar to a French press. Like this this waffle design filter paper that I use, uh, we have met, manufactured, lets that sediment out. Yeah. Right? So you get that sort of sort of rich French press style cup profile, you know, which is really good. Um, so, you know, there really is, besides a delivery system, there's no comparison to anything else out there. Agreed. You know. Now, how did you come up with this? What, what, uh, it's your backcountry guy, yeah. you're a hunter, you've right. done some hunting, you've done yeah. some fishing, you've done, spent time right. in the outdoors. Yeah. Very um, too much. I can see how, uh, how somebody would kind of come up with you. Mm-hmm. You're the only guy I know that's come out with this genius <laughs> yeah. system that I feel like it should have been yeah. out there a long so, time ago. You know, again, like, uh, you know, you, you really have three options or there was two options. You bring your stuff in, um, or you drink, Garbage coffee. Garbage. Let's freeze dried coffee or dehydrated coffee, which that coffee in itself is probably the worst coffee you you could ever drink. Right. Right. Um, if you've, you know, people probably know this, seen this before, but the, the, the coffee before it gets ground up and brewed, um, what that actually looks like, you would never drink that stuff if you were to just look at it. Right. It's, it's the most inconsistent, defect-riddled coffee you know you can buy, and that's why they buy it because they grind it, pre-brew it, you know, dehydrate it, you know, you know, freeze-dry it, um, they blast furnace it, you know, where they send it through a tube, 
a fire basically and it dehydrates all the water you know evaporates all the water and all <laughs> all that's coming out is this burnt to a crisp coffee solubles right that fall mm-hmm. to the bottom and then they scrape them up and and <laughs> put them in those packs and the coffee is is probably the lowest grade coffee you could buy right right so that's why people are like oh, I got this freeze dried stuff, these, these crystals, Folgers crystals, but they're just garbage. And so that same thing, you know, you can't get you put bad in and expect good out. You know, yeah. uh, it's good and good out. So where did you get, uh, you know, the beans for for the coffee that you're using? Where did you find this? So these, um, well, there, there's there's this Colombian Supremo, which is single origin coffee. It's it's a direct trade coffee. It's coming out of Colombia, the Medellin region. Um, so that's um, what's in the majority of our packs. We also have the G4 blend mm-hmm. that you can put in, in the Ascent pack as well. And that coffee comes out of Central and South America, right? So Guatemala, I think that's the kind Brazilian. of – Yeah, I think that's the kind that you, uh, you hooked me up on was mm-hmm. that G4 Yeah, blend. G4 blend. I gave you a bag of that yep. G4 blend. And then I also gave you in the, the, the Ascent pack was the, the Colombian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was good. It was really good. Mm-hmm. It was like uh, – it was like my morning cup of coffee back at the house and on my French press, but it had a really good flavor to it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was phenomenal. So yeah. no, I stole but, some of them, took them on a trip. And they yeah, were good. She did. yeah. My backcountry stash, she got into it. And took yeah. Them well, well, we'll make sure that gets, to, you know, Brian gets all this up. stuff and I got to steal it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> but get, to get back to like how the, this package came about, like how this style came about. So I was thinking about it and it's always been the question, like, how do you get good coffee into the backcountry? For guys that like don't want to bring in all the gear, you know, the foldable pour over systems and the extra cups and things like that. Um, how do you get them to drink good coffee in the backcountry? That's not, you know, they're just not reaching for those Starbucks vias, you know, because right. they're so easy and they're, you know, full of sugar. They're, they're masking. Everything's masking. They mask right. that bad taste. But, so how do you do it? And one day I was like, you know, what? like I kind of knew that stuff was out there. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try this system you know, sort of a full immersion system, you know, uh, in a bag, you know, and it was called fractional packaging, you know, uh, and I started playing around with it, different styles of filter. And I can never get a filter that really worked right for it. Right. And that's a big deal. You know, it's the filter. Uh, so came up with this waffle design filter, right? So it has the densities are different. It's kind of in a waffle pattern. Right. So the microns are a little bit different letting like the filter is a little bit different, right? So it's, it's a little bit finer in one spot and coarser in the other. So it's letting out some of those sediments, right? So you're actually getting a full, a full, you know, sort of French press cup profile with that filter paper. Mm -hmm. Right. So once that happened, then it was like, all right, you know, now we're kind of on to something, um, detailing the type of coffees that go in that you can't just put any coffee into that kind of system and expect it to work. It's got to be a coffee that likes to be brewed like that. You know what I mean? You go, you start going low, like lighter roasted coffee. You know, you start to get into that, you know, city roast is what we call it. Uh, it doesn't work quite as well. You know, mostly full city, full city roasted coffees work well in that system. The nice thing about that system too, is once you're done with it, you bury it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's fully biodegradable, right? You know, you don't have to bring it back with you. Uh, it stays on the mountain. Mm. You know, the only thing you got to bring back is that little piece of packaging that, that weighs nothing. Yep. I mean, you can fold it up and it's about the size of a quarter, you know what I mean? Or less, you know? Um, so they're just, they're super easy. They're super good. And it just kind of bridges that gap, you know, of like, you know, guys spend so much money on their gear. They got to have the best gear. They got to have, you know, all the best stuff. 
right? Best freeze dried meals. You know, I wouldn't say Mountain House is the best, but you know, guys are eating it. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want you to pass three days. That's for sure. I got to split it up. But, uh, you know, the coffee was always looked at as like, ah, eh, whatever. You know, and they just deal with it, you know? So this is trying to like bridge that gap of like getting people to actually like, you know, you get two weeks off a year to go hunt, right? I want to enjoy myself, right? Mm-hmm. I want to bring things into the backcountry that I want to eat and I want to drink, you know? And this is, you know. Look, there's boots. Boots are boots in a backpack. Those are one yeah. and two, whether how you look at it. And then there's, well, I don't know how far down. Coffee's got to be right there. Man, coffee's, coffee's up there. It's me. probably like yeah. three or four. Yeah, it's it's definitely in the, you know. Because it's like that one thing one I, I look forward to. Um, first thing out of the gates in the morning, um, you know, I'm making a cup. Yeah. And uh, and I have suffered through the years, through some bad stuff. And now mm-hmm. that I've got this, it's uh, it's a whole new game. Yeah. It's it's just great. It's, it's a qu- high quality cup of mm-hmm. coffee in the morning. So um, how are you making this? Like what what's your system on how you're making it so uh how i brew them yeah for a backcountry guy like me yeah i got a jet boil i'm going back into the backcountry boil up some water yeah i mean that's tossing a, it in. that's pretty much it so like with the ascent pack you're you're going to boil your water and you know it'll make about a 12 ounce cup ounce cup of coffee right it's kind of its max in terms of coffee solubles right um i like to do about a 10 ounce right mm-hmm. so like you know you can measure that pretty much in your jet boil Right. Uh, and then once that coffee or that water comes off boil, so it stops rolling, right. Give it like another minute just so you make sure that it's down to that, you know, 199 range. Um, because it has that neoprene sleeve on it, which keeps that heat in, you right. know, it like insulates right. it a little bit. So I always like to like to let it sit for a second. Uh, and then you're going to add that ascent pack to the water directly. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't like to bring in another cup. Right. It's just more stuff to bring it out. So I add it to the water and what I'll do is I'll make sure that it fully saturates and blooms. Right. And when it blooms, it's going to float. Right. It's got all that gas and it's like releasing. It's like this balloon. Right. And that's going to happen. That's natural. Right. So what you do is you just take it and you agitate it kind of up and down a couple of times and you're going to spread those, those ground particulates apart. Mm-hmm. Right, it's going to release that gas even more, and then what you want to do is have that accent, uh, ascent pack standing up and down, like fully submerged in the water, and you're going to do that for about three and a half minutes, and then once that happens, take the sucker out and you can drink it. It's just like easy as that, and you know if you want it a little stronger, you can go a little longer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can go to that four and a half minutes if you want. You right. know. So yeah, I I think the system you've uh, you've kind of created here is perfect because yeah. um you know that's always been an issue. I always. I always wanted to shave weight. You know, I didn't want to pack that extra cup. I didn't want, obviously didn't want to pack French press. And also, uh, you know, I think jet boil has that own, that little thing that you gotta, it's like, gotta kind of makes it into a French press. Mm-hmm. I tried that for a while. It was always falling apart. It's yeah. The, the French press presser top. Yep. You know, the plunger top. Yep. Yeah. So there's a hack and like Joey was doing it. Yeah is putting the ascent pack in, you know, he was putting it in a French press, but you know, we were putting it in those, uh, jet boils with the plunger top on them and plunging the ascent pack and like a French press. all the way down into yeah, the bottom. Yeah. squeezing it. Yep. You know, and you're yep, squeezing yep. all that, the, uh, sediment out and then you can just leave it down there if you want, you know, and just drink it. Yep. Uh, but it's a really easy way to make it. It's super clean. You're not scraping your jet boil out of the, you know, all the grounds and everything. Right, and scraping right, right. That, that coating right. off it. No kidding. So, um, yeah, I, and you've also got, you're also coming out with the 
just bags of coffee yeah. to kind of go with yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, you would love to just sell hikers. the Ascent Pack, right? But that's kind of a, a very like niche thing. Sure. Right. It, it has a purpose, right? Um, you know, for, for, you know, making, you know, high quality cup of coffee in the back country or, you know, if you're on a road trip, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, anywhere that it's, it's very inconvenient to brew coffee traditionally, right? right? That's where those fit in, you know? Well, it's pretty cool because like, uh, you know, I do a lot of traveling for mm-hmm. my hunting trips. I do yeah. a lot of driving, just yeah. scouting wise and mm-hmm. going to different trails and, and places. And, um, you know, to get my coffee, cause again, I'm, I'm kind of cheap. I don't like to pull over and buy coffee from right. stands all, all mm-hmm. the time. So what I did this last year was, um, I made a bunch of cold brew before I yeah. went. So I, you know, I kind of let it use cold water, let it sit for 24 hours, something like that, maybe a little less and, mm-hmm. and ended up, uh, getting like two gallons yeah. of cold brew mm-hmm. done, ready for the trip into the cooler and that gets me, you know, wherever I'm driving, Eastern Montana, yeah. it's 16, 17 hour mm-hmm. drive. I am chugging cold brew <laughs> all the way over there. Yeah. Um, that's funny. That's the same thing that I do when I elk hunt. Yeah. You know, I, I buy, um, they're just little half gallon bottles out of Uline. Right. And I just fill a bunch of them up and I put the cold brew in the cooler. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I get back to camp or whatever and I'll slug, you know, slug cold brew or, yep. you know, the, the beauty about cold brew is have you ever had it hot? Heat it up after it's delicious. Okay, yeah. so heat it up after heat, you've gone through yeah, the process yeah. of the cold brew. Heat up cold brew. It's really good. Huh, I mean, if you do your cold brew right, it's really good. No kidding. Yeah. So what I've been doing is doing that in the backcountry as well. So mm-hmm. letting it seep steep overnight, and yeah. then that next day in my water bottle, I've got. It's, it's funny cold you, brew. you bring that up because I've actually got a, <laughs> a got a secret squirrel project that I'm working on that. Okay. It's very similar to that. Really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's because there's nothing like you got two water bottles, right? Yeah. At least I do. And uh, now I've got one dedicated for my cold brew. Yeah. I can suck on that during yep. the day and then my water bottle. But it's pretty awesome that you mm-hmm. can just, uh, you know, I still like heating up a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's nothing like, like, like the application of heat in coffee is like magic. Right. Right. So like it opens up that coffee and you get all those aromatics and you got all those flavors you would never get by just brewing coffee with cold water. Sure. Right. So that heat is like, like the magic touch yep. to coffee. And, and that's why when you have that cup of coffee, you know, it's almost, morning. it's almost like it tastes better when it's hot. Um, for me, mm-hmm. you get, like you said, the aroma and everything, but, it works great when it's cold. Yep. Like it's like a shot of adrenaline. Yep. It's just that, you know, it's higher caffeine content mm-hmm. all that. It's just like a shot. It's just like yeah. a wake up call during the day when you've been busting your tail and you're mm-hmm. sitting on a vantage and you're just tired midday. Yeah. You can, well, now that I've got, now that you've, uh, you've come out with these packs, now I can, you know, not just make cold brew for the trips, but I can, then I just yeah. got to heat up some water and toss yeah. a pack in and yeah, go the, with it. So yeah, you just grab a handful of them, throw them in your pack, you know, yep. it's as simple as that. So what's, uh, what is kind of your business model starting this company, this yeah. coffee company? So it's very so – our business model, first and foremost, is to source the best coffees we can, mm-hmm. right? Um, I call it the, our core four mission, right? So there's four things on our mission that we want to accomplish with this company, right? First is to source the best coffee we can get our hands on, right? From the best growers throughout the world and share those with our customers, Right. Right. Uh, second is roast the best coffee we can. So a, a farmer can can produce the best cup of co- you know best coffee bean uh, on the planet, but a roaster can just 
you know, annihilate it in the roasting process. And it, you're going to think it's garbage coffee, right? And so we roast it to its very point where that coffee shines the most, right? Where it really comes forward and it shows its individuality as coffee, right? It's going to taste distinctly itself. Huh. Um, and then second, you know, we want to deliver our products uh, in a timely manner, right? Okay. Within 48 hours, we want to, we want to get those, those, you know, sh- the coffee roasted, you know, ground, put in the ascent packs and shipped out to you. Right. And then the last thing is our, our commitment to conservation, right? So with dark timber coffee, 10% of every sale, that's gross sale. This is a net profits or anything. This is gross sales goes back to conservation. Wow. Yes. 10%, you know, hands, you know, it's set in stone. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing, right? We want dark timber coffee to give back. You know, I'm a hundred percent, 99% public land hunter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an, a recreator. You know, I spend so much time in the backcountry and on public lands. And if these things were to go away, um, what would that mean? Right. right for uh, our lifestyle and our children's lifestyle uh in their futures and and just you know it's well, it'd be devastating i mean it's it, absolutely I could, devastating. can't even imagine it yeah really. right? we've been so fortunate and been so blessed with these lands um you know i think a lot of folks unfortunately are still they just take it for granted absolutely they just haven't gotten into figuring out where we are um, as a country and how mm-hmm. close we are to possibly losing these public lands. Uh, and yeah. once they're taken away, they're gone for good. And yeah, the government never brings anything back, right? right. If it takes something away, it's typically going to be gone for back. good. Yeah. You know, not coming back. To it's you. not, especially if they're losing money on it. And you, you got to know? know, you know, once it goes away, all of a sudden everybody's going to be like, Whoa, what? Yeah. Wow. That was an actual me. thing. You know? We lost yeah. that. Yeah, now we can't go out there, and now you got to pay trespass fees, and we got yeah. we just lost all this property. And yeah, now it's private. And if the, if the land, uh, you know, in question doesn't resemble uh, Glacier mm-hmm. National Park or Yellowstone, people tend to not care about it, right? They're like, what does what does it offer me right now? Well, you know, it offers you the ability to go and roam, to just go and sort of be free. You know, yeah. you don't have to stop at a crosswalk and stop. You can walk, you know, and just, just go out there and just roam and, and do whatever you want and recreate how you want. Those are your lands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, and it, it covers, it encompasses so many different groups. You know, yeah. obviously I think as a hunter, you know, we're, we're seeing, we're talking about it amongst ourselves. There's a lot of really good organizations. BHA is one of them yeah. um, that we're, we all belong to and um, they're really fighting for us. Uh, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of a lot of interests out there that haven't really gotten on board like mm-hmm. I think they should. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> it yeah. seems like there's so many folks that enjoy it um, that just haven't gotten involved. And um, and so who who is this 10% going to? So if if you go to our website, right, mm-hmm. darktimberco.com, uh, when you go through um, the checkout, when you put any item into the checkout, it's gonna there's a drop down menu that pops up, and it's gonna ask you where you want this ten percent to go, right? You okay. don't have to donate another ten percent. Sure, we're just giving you the ability to, to tell us to where you want this where to go. It goes, right, right. So you have BHA Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. You have the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation 
organization and you have well right right now you have wild steelhead coalition and what they're doing you know i'm a big steelhead angler you are too we're um what they're doing for the conservation of steelhead and actually bringing them back from the brink of extinction Mm -hmm. is pretty good you know it might not it might not sit well with some people closing rivers down to fishing out of a a moving vessel, things like that, that rub some fishermen the wrong way, they're still in the long run doing what's best for the fish. Okay. Right. Uh, And that list is going to grow, right? But we're not just putting organizations on there, just put them on there. So we're, we're doing our research into them and where they stand on certain topics and areas. And um, so that, that list of benefactors of that 10% will grow right now. Those are the main three. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know as far as BHA, you know, we, we donate to them and, mm-hmm. and, uh, they've done so many good things. We attended the rendezvous. Yeah. I wanted to go here. to that so bad. Yeah. It was pretty cool. You, yeah. you could just kind of sit around and talk with other rub elbows know, with everybody. Yeah. Everybody yeah. that's kind of out there and, and is paying attention and everybody's got, you know, their interests and, and what they do and just talking about it and get, getting the troops rallied, I guess, yeah. Yeah. to get out there and kind of, you know, talk to everybody else that may not be paying attention and mm-hmm. just doesn't have the opportunity to see what's happening. So, right. um, but yeah, that's that's good to hear. I, I was surprised. Ten percent, ten percent. It's a huge chunk. I you mean, know, it I, really is. You know? I hear a lot of companies are doing like a two percent or one percent. No, we, we wanted to make an impact. Sure. I mean, two percent of of ten bucks is what? Yep. You know, it's not yep. much. Yep. But when ten percent of ten bucks means a dollar, right? Right. Dollar goes back to conservation, right? Uh, you know, off a ten dollar sale, and. You know, the way, you know, the reason why we, we're doing that is because typically your, 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 your person, your, you know, it's not going to donate that buck. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take the time out of their day, go to the website, hit the donate button and donate a dollar. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it. Right. Like that's just majority of the time that's not going to happen. So what we're doing is we're like, like just getting, you know, those, those conservation dollars and we're just, you know, we, we will, we'll take a 10% cut on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it on the chin, right. you know, making sure that that money goes back into conservation and, and it's kind of a win, 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 you know, it's like, you know, conservation wins because there's money going towards, you know, it. the customer gets coffee and doesn't have to do anything. You know, we're donating for them, right. You know, and we get a sale. So it's perfect. Yeah. When, when you first sent me <laughs> that, that little package and I, I was, you know, looking at it and, and testing it out and playing with it. Um, I knew right away, this is mm-hmm. going to be huge for, yeah. <laughs> for us guys. For yeah. us hunters it's, and it's the, the nice thing is like the, like the, like the price point on it, right? Yeah. It's a dollar when you include shipping in it. It's a dollar for a cup of coffee. Right. Right. With specialty grade. It's a heck of a lot less than Starbucks. Heck of a lot less than <laughs> Starbucks. It's a heck of a lot better than Starbucks. You know, and it's a buck. Like, it, like if you were to ask me if I had no coffee in the back country, Right. And you brought one of these things and you're like, what would you pay for this? Dollars probably not going to come out of my mouth. I'd pay a lot. I'm probably going to have any coffee back. $5 then. range. You yeah. know what I mean? $10 yeah. about how hard up I am. You for know what sure. I mean? Oh, for sure. But for a buck, I mean, you can't. Especially you can't by go day wrong. seven. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you're just hating life yeah. uh, without coffee. But, but yeah, so the price point's great on it, super approachable. You know, you're. you're you're actively, you know, donating to conservation just by buying it, right? Buying anything, okay. from us, you know, uh, you know. So 
Yeah. I mean, it's just everything that I wanted, um, you know, a company to be about is what this, this company is about. <laughs> you know? That's great. Well, like I said, I think, um, I think for guys like me who have been suffering, um, <laughs> in our trips and our hikes. Imagine how many our, people actually, they don't think uh, they're suffering, but they really are. I mean, once I, you get something to, to try something Every a time different. I've drank one of those Folgers <laughs> little tea bags uh-huh. and, uh, and it, you know, the Folgers dry, uh, freeze dried stuff, mm-hmm. I know I'm suffering. I yeah. know there could be better. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just wasn't willing to sacrifice the weight of hauling in the stuff that yeah. it would take to make a yeah. good cup. So, yeah. And there's other stuff perfect. you can use too that's on, you know, sort of lighter weight you know there's some you know sort of backpacker pour over stuff like these mm-hmm. little cardboard things but right. you know i don't know if they're biodegradable or not so you might have to take them back with you i haven't looked into them too much i used them when i saw them at a coffee show about 10 years ago i saw them sure. you know coffee fest seattle i think you know i saw them but uh so there's some other options out there but yeah again you have to have another cup and you know they're not reusable you know yep. so for every cup of coffee you make you got to bust out another pour over filter and you know right. so you got to bring a stack of filters plus your coffee plus your cup you know what i mean so yeah i mean these things these things are handy um you know because i do drink tea back there too because i just don't like yeah. the taste of straight water so i'll, I'll bring mm-hmm. like licorice tea and i'll i'll do that and it's just it's just easy yeah <laughs> and that's how yeah. the system is so it's yeah perfect. it's it's really nice because usually when you say easy quality is usually not in the same sentence right you know what i mean and with this it's easy and it's good you know Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So there's no there's no drawback. Yeah. You know, besides, you know, yeah, it's pre ground. You know, it's probably the only thing. Yeah. So how do guys get their hands on this stuff? Yeah. So right now, um, the only way to get their hands on it is through our website, and that's uh darktimberco.com. Darktimberco.com. Yeah, okay. darktimberco.com. I spend a lot of time in the dark timber. So that's it. It's a great you name. There's, there's <laughs> a lot of times I've been sitting in the dark timber trying to work elk, you know, and I'm like, yeah, drink yeah. some coffee. No know? kidding, right? <laughs> so that. that's where that name came from. But uh, yeah, so that's where they can get it. Okay. Um, we can, you can also get the G4 blend online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that offering is going to expand. What is that? Like a 10 ounce bag, 12 ounce bag? These are 12 bag. ounce bags. Yeah. Uh, they're for like 11 75. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's great coffee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've had that, that G4 blend that, that was really good mm-hmm. stuff. And like I said before, my wife liked it, which is saying something. <laughs> yeah. That's the sample approval right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't get the jitters and she didn't, you know, whatever it was that she gets out of, uh, cheaper brand coffees she cannot drink the u-band no no <laughs> and i don't want anybody to drink U-band. no nobody should suffer through that stuff no doubt know? no doubt but sure. yeah so right now you can get these two online and like i said that you know it's going to expand into some different blends i just i didn't want to put uh everything online at once yeah well, that's going to be a growing company and <laughs> yeah it's and, really know, hard to keep up with you know doing all that at once you know with such a small staff yeah yeah you know, we have you know mainly it's a lot of just me yeah, you know, toiling away making these packs and way to grow roasting it. the coffee and sourcing <laughs> the coffee, and you know, I probably got like seven different hats right now. You know, but yeah, how much time are you gonna have this fall to hunt? Any? Uh, Start you now. know, there's a lot of product testing that has to happen, oh, yeah? so you know, yeah. I gotta have some backcountry time. That's true, That's but true. Uh, I'm hoping by fall, um, you know, I can at least step away for you know. Uh, I don't know, man. I think you're going to be pretty busy. I, I don't. So. I don't see you stepping <laughs> away. I think you're going to be packing yeah. boxes and shipping I know, stuff. right? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to tell myself that I'm going to get an elk hunt this year, at least one. Yeah, you know, whether that's just grabbing my muzzle loader and 
you know, hitting the high country here. Yeah, cool. So it's not warehoused coffee on a shelf somewhere where the guy pumps out the order and he looks at the pick ticket and then he runs over to the warehouse and grabs it off the shelf, throws it in a box and you get it like Amazon. Yeah. You know? Nice. So I like this that. is straight out of the roaster. Perfect, man. Cool. Well, this was fun. I liked, uh, I like talking to guys like you that just know <laughs> the ins and outs of something yeah. and, uh, and coffee's huge passion for me. I guess like I I'm a, I'm an addict, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, yeah, learning a little mo- bit more about it and, yeah, and seeing man. the product you've got here is, is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be enjoying this all fall. So yeah, you're going to have enough of it. That's for sure. <laughs> Make cool. sure you're stocked up for sure. For sure. Yeah. I got a, I got a bear hunt next week and, yeah. uh, and I'll be in there and I'll be sipping on some of your coffee. So that's awesome. Gonna man. Enjoy it. All right. Well, Tony, thanks again. Oh, thanks for having me here, man. I had a blast. Yeah. And anything else, where can guys find you, um, besides ordering it on dark timber co darktimberco.com um typically just you know instagram's huge for us yep you know and reaching people um when guys want to message you that's yeah they message me a lot you know and like just talk about coffee that's you know just it's it's great you know because they can just it's a direct line yeah into me dark timber yeah dark timber at you know at dark timber yeah Yeah, dark timber perfect so cool right on well thanks tony yeah thank you appreciate all the insight yeah no problem hey folks Thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit our website at huntharvesthealth.com for more podcast stories and recipes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hunt Harvest Health. You can also message me at stahealthyhunter, that's S-T-H, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Also tag your photos, Hunt Harvest Health, or get stealthy as we enjoy seeing what you guys are doing as well.